Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we look at a week of giving thanks as we continue in our series on refocusing our will according to God's will. We will hear from Paul Jacobs as he takes us through a very profound command from the Apostle Paul to give thanks in all circumstances. Thanks for joining us this Thanksgiving week as we look to Christ as our source of true joy in our effort to discover God's will for our lives. Morning, everyone. I am so glad to be with you here today um, because I finally get to talk with you about everything I've been studying this week. And uh, as I studied this week, um, the Holy Spirit really worked on me. And um, my, my talk today is about Thanksgiving. And um, this was just one of those weeks, you know, nothing was really bad, but there were just so many challenges so many different things that came my way, and there were so many distractions distracting me from God's Word and distracting me from the message that I have for you today. And, uh, and in all of this, I keep constantly being drawn back to God's Word. Okay, this is, this is what you're teaching about on Sunday. It's like, listen to this. This is God's will for you. And um, it's not always easy. It's, it can be difficult sometimes. Um, we are um, in a series right now. Um, Pastor Ryan is uh, uh, in the Luther right now, as uh, most of you who are regulars here know. Uh, we've been very fortunate. We've had a couple people been uh, pinch hitting a little bit for teaching here at church. We're in the middle of a series um, called Refocus. Uh, purpose of this series is really to explore the will of God as it's revealed in, in His Word. Last week we heard from Derek, from Derek who taught on authority. Uh, next week we'll hear from Lane on the topic of the kingdom. Uh, this week we'll refocus on what God's will is for us uh, in Thanksgiving. I'm going to start right in with today's text. Uh, it's from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, uh, chapter 5, verse 18, on, found on page 1684. Page 1684 in the Pew Bible. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Lois, like you said, this is powerful. How powerful is that short sentence? So we're, we're entering the season of Thanksgiving this week. Um, what are you thankful for? Family? Friends? Good health? A warm roof over your head? Your church family? Uh, I am so thankful this morning for my church family. Um, I look out, I see um, eager faces. I see yes faces. <laughs> yes face. I see maybe faces. I see not too many no faces, but you, you've all been such an encouragement to me. And, and um, each day that I'm here, and I think many of you feel the same way, we just have such a close uh, church family, and it, it's so meaningful. Um, we have so many blessings. 
But there's some things in the world, of the world, that are just so hard to be thankful for. The world does not often bring peace. What about these? And I suggest a few of thousands and thousands. Presidential elections. Struggles to acknowledge racial equality. Redefining gender. Learning new pronouns. How about the world's response to COVID? Lest we go there again. This morning we'll see what God's word says about thankfulness and what his will is for us in developing attitudes that are pleasing to him. God's will is that we follow him and not the world and how we approach thanksgiving. Let's, uh, let's open with some prayer. <clears throat> Lord God, we thank you for our church and for the guidance you give us through your word. Today, Lord, we pray for your wisdom to be heard clearly through the hand of the Holy Spirit. We desire to know your will in our lives. We desire to know you. We desire to be in your presence. Thank you, God, for being our God. Bless our time together today. Hear our prayers. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So a little background to um, uh, today's study is um, in Paul's letter to the first, the first letter to the Thessalonians, uh, chapter 5 is really a writing about Christian attitudes and behavior. And it exposes God's will to us as his children in relating to each other, but also to a watching world as well. To put our, our short reading into context today, I'd like to, um, I'd like to go back uh, to page 1684, if you want to join me again there. And I want to back up just a little bit earlier to um, verse 16. On page 1684. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, the God of peace, sanctify you through, the, through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. In verse 16, rejoice always. What is joy? Where does it come from? There's a couple different kinds of of joy. There is what the world looks at, which we consider and I, I call circumstantial joy versus our joy, which is true joy. I think I've got um, Pastor Ryan, even though he's not here, is here. He came in remotely and uh, set up some slides for us here. Without full knowledge of God, where do people in the world get their joy? 
Oftentimes, they, and they meaning us too, oftentimes, confuse joy for happiness. People are made happy by nice circumstances. Perhaps a visit from an old friend, perhaps the warmth of a puppy or kitten, or the smile of a young child. Now, none of these are bad. In fact, I think we all would be happy over these circumstances. But joy for the Christian means so much more. And it's not dependent on good or bad circumstances. And our, our joy is true and not fleeting. Jesus speaks to us in John chapter 16. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away our joy. Our joy comes through presence with the resurrected Jesus. That's where true joy comes from. What else does God's word say about joy? In Psalms 16, 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. God's nature does not change based on outward circumstances. From our Old Testament reading today, Psalm 136, 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. We rejoice because of God's goodness. We rejoice because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And no one can take that joy away. It is true joy, eternal joy, because of Christ's saving grace. Are you with me? Jesus also brings peace. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Be thankful in this, for this is God's will for you. In verse 17, pray continually. God wants us to stay close to him. He wants us to communicate continually, to pray without ceasing. Not just when you need him, continually. Not just when you're thankful, continually. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Be thankful in this, for it is God's will for you. Verse 18. Give thanks in all, give thanks in all circumstances. Wow, that can be tough. <laughs> Jesus gives us this example. If you'd like to read with me from Matthew chapter 15 on page 1397. Matthew chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. 
Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. Now, Jesus was speaking, he was preaching on the mountainside. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Jesus gave thanks. He gives us that example. So what what do we need to give? Give thanks in all circumstances. What do we need to give? We need to have an attitude of thankfulness. We are called to give thanks. To whom? Where do we give thanks? To God, right? Mm -hmm. Amen. Now, there's a very important word in this. Listen very closely. In all circumstances. This was the toughest part for me to get through. How do you give thanks in all circumstances? You do. In all circumstances. Not give thanks for all circumstances. There's a big, big difference. There are things that we cannot be thankful for. Are you thankful for losing a parent? Are you thankful for losing your job or being sick or injured? Of course not. But in spite of this, in these circumstances, when you're in these circumstances, or maybe better said, during these circumstances, we as Christians still need to look to God with an attitude of thanks. Paul gives us this example. Uh, in the book of Acts, Paul's on his way to Rome as a prisoner on a ship. During a storm, as the ship carrying 276 people, including Paul, is ready to be dashed on the rocks of the island of Malta. As a last-ditch effort, they throw four anchors off the back of the ship, just trying to keep from crashing, crashing on the rocks. Paul's anticipating that the ship he's on will be destroyed. What does Paul do? We read in Acts chapter 27. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. So they didn't have much of a hunger, did they? They had been floating, floating in the storm for like 14 days. Things didn't look good. They couldn't see land. They couldn't see the stars. They couldn't see the sun. They couldn't navigate. They didn't know where they were going. They probably weren't very hungry. But 
Um, I think Paul had a yes face, let's call it. People looked at Paul and they knew the faith that he had in God and he was very convincing because he was a godly, a godly man. So interesting, as I read, he was actually uh, the chaplain on that ship. There were 276 people on that ship and he was a prisoner, but he was the chaplain of the ship. So was Paul thankful for an impending shipwreck? Of course not. He was thankful for his faithful God and for God's promise that none would die. All 276 people made it to shore alive, by the way. So I'd like to look at um, three different kinds of circumstances. And um, during this week, I asked people, I said, well, what what are you thankful for? And I got some really interesting answers. Uh, A lot of it was thankful to be alive. Thankful for my family. Um, I got one, I'm thankful that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And they understood what Lord and Savior meant. And... um, it was very interesting. And so I had a conversation with a few people and I said, now what, what kind of things are easy to be thankful for? Which kind of things are hard to be thankful for? And so I, I kind of boiled this down to three different kinds of circumstances. We need to be really careful with misplaced thanks and we have to keep in mind that our thanks goes to our risen God. And we need to, we need to focus on that. We need to focus on Christ, not our circumstances. So the three things that I looked at, uh, blessings, what I call inconveniences, and what I call really bad stuff. <laughs> All technical terms. So let's look at, at our blessings. Um, the birth of a new baby. Okay, What a blessing. It's so easy to take joy in this. But still, in these situations, we need to surpass that. There's a surpassing joy. We need to take joy in that. Yes, that's good. But we still need to take joy of having Christ as our Lord and Savior, Christ in our life. Because this is God's will for you. When we look at inconvenient situations, uh, there's kind of a danger in inconveniences, I found, talking with people this week. We can easily wish these inconveniences away and explain them away by finding the, quote, hidden good in things. And how often do we do that? It's like, well, I got in a car wreck, but I had really great insurance, and we ended up with a new car. Thank God. Uh, are all things God's will for you? Kind of a side note, are all things God's will for you? No. Does God will for us to sin? No. Okay, but we do. So not all things are, are God's will. And sometimes we, we take these, these uh, hidden, hidden challenges and we try and find the good in those situations. Uh, one example of this that came to my mind many years ago, uh, our kids were little and we were uh, driving from Crystal Falls to Escanaba in our van. And uh, we had a couple big lab dogs in there, and uh, the kids were all packed up, and we had a whole bunch of stuff we were bringing back and forth, and no room to put anything else in the van. 
Paula said, well, don't forget we've got to get the garbage. Okay, one more thing. So I grabbed the bag of garbage while I was packing and I threw it on top of the roof of the van. Well, we get down, I forgot about it totally. We get, we get down the road, eight miles, we were just close to here actually. And uh, I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot the garbage on the roof of the car. So I get outside fully expecting that it's not going to be there. The bag is still on top of the roof of the car. <laughs> so I told the kids as they were crying, screaming because, you know, we're late, we're hungry, you know, all the typical things. We're going back to the cottage. We're going to drop off our garbage because that's the right thing to do. We don't have room for it here, and I'm not just going to leave it somewhere. We'll bring it back and, and put it back to the cottage. And they complained about that. And... Um, and there were a lot of a lot of words, a lot of groaning. It was quite quite a deal. And uh, one of us actually said, "You know, just we're doing the right thing. You know, maybe there's a reason for this." And again, this is dangerous because sometimes we put these we turn these hidden things on. So we're driving home, and we're about one mile from our house, and we come across the scene of a head-on collision. And it had happened probably about 10 or 15 minutes before we got there. And um, the children never, ever complained again about us stopping, going back to the cottage and bringing garbage, as you know. But, you know, we, we looked at that, and it's so easy. Sometimes we, in our humanness, we say, well, that's God's will for us. Is it? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But we have to be really careful in inconvenient situations to not just wish them away and say, well... You know what? You know, God has a plan. God has a plan in that. So that's, that's the danger in this because we're, again, looking at the situation. And in this, we also have to not thank God for a thing and not have a, we need to have an attitude of thankfulness for Christ in our life. We have to be thankful in this because God, that's God's will for us. Okay, the third thing, really bad stuff. So we're talking about death of a loved one, tragic accident, or how about experiencing the results of our sin? Poor choices come home to roost. This is the hardest, but sometimes it's the easiest too. Once we realize that our circumstances are so broken and so far beyond any attempt for us to find good in them, now we finally turn to God. And we turn to God for that true joy. And as Christians, um, we need to look at these different, these different categories. But in all three of them, whether it's a blessing or if it's an inconvenience or if it's something that's just really bad stuff, we need to... Focus on, focus on God because that's his will for us. Focus on God through your trials and rejoice in him. So remember, um, in these circumstances, not for these circumstances, are thanks. Rejoice in him, in trouble, in hardship, in celebration. That's the easy one. We are not alone. 
We're given strength through the Holy Spirit. The will of God sometimes is just too much for our own strength. Paul in uh, Philippians chapter 4, 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The Holy Spirit. Okay, why do we give thanks? Verse 18, for this is God's will for you, to have a thankful, joyful attitude. And in Christ Jesus, answers the how. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Jesus is the mediator in all of this. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you. In Acts, uh, during Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit is like a branding iron. It marks you permanently, just like people in Texas brand their cattle. (laughs) Tongues of fire came upon the Pentecost. Verse 19 Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't throw cold water on it, making it useless. Branding iron with cold water on it is useless. Don't put it away. Don't hide it. Don't hide the Holy Spirit. Let it shine. Let God's light shine through your face. Keep the fire burning. Do this by praying continually and keeping in God's presence. For this is God's will for you. And the result, verse 22, you will reject every kind of evil. So as I wrap up here, um, look at a couple couple applications to um, how we can nurture a thankful attitude. Uh, I have not seen these slides, but I've seen all the information, so these guys are going to help me maybe get through some of this. Constant communication with God. Pray without ceasing. Have a prayer closet. Some regular place, it doesn't have to be a closet, but some regular place where you can sit quietly every day and be in the presence of God. Spend time in His Word. Charles Spurgeon once said, when joy and prayer are married, Their firstborn child is gratitude. B, have have your daily bread. Now when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, remember God provided food for them, he provided manna for them, but that manna only lasted one day before spoiling, uh, except for the Sabbath day. 
So you need your daily bread. Pray daily. And sometimes when you're praying, just listen. The word of God is like that manna for us. We need to keep it fresh upon our hearts. Get your daily bread. Stay in the word. Thirdly, prayer partner. Partner with someone if you can for accountability. Prayer partners are also a reminder to us to, in, to encourage each to encourage each other and to remind us to stay um, in prayer with God. And the more that we pray is time that we spend with God in his presence. Pray, pray um, unceasingly. If you don't have a prayer partner, uh, pray that God would bring one to you and open your heart to the calling of the Spirit if you are called to that. Become more mature in our Christian attitudes, both to our brothers and sisters in Christ and also to a watching world. To a watching world, be thankful in all circumstances. Again, not for all circumstances, in all circumstances. Why? Because it's God's will for us, right? Charles Swindoll wrote how during Thomas Jefferson's presidency, uh, he and a group of travelers were crossing a river that had overflowed its banks. Each man crossed on horseback, fighting for his life. A lone traveler watched the group traverse the treacherous river and then asked President Jefferson to take him across. The president agreed without hesitation. The man climbed on, and the two made it safely to the other side of the river, where somebody asked him, Why did you select the president to ask this favor? The man was shocked, admitting he had no idea it was the President of the United States who had carried him safely across. All I know, he said, is that on some of your faces was written the answer no, and on some of your faces was the answer yes. His was a yes face. Do you have a yes face? I see yes face. Next. Uh, tell why you're thankful. Your joy. Tell people about your joy. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Be an encouragement to each other. Just something as simple as writing a note of thanks sometimes. Be an encouragement to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Be less judgmental. Appreciate the grace you have been granted. Enjoy the freedom that comes with it. Grant grace to others and let them enjoy their freedom in Christ. And lastly... Refocus your attitude. Put your hardships up against your joy in Christ. Be thankful in this, for it's God's will for you. I'd like to close uh, with Paul's words to the Thessalonians. May God himself, the God of peace, 
sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.